Coming up on Salt City Code, we talk to Mike DiMaria about his experience with Salesforce, what it's like to run a community meetup, and his brand new conference, Upstate Dreamin'. My name is Karen Thorne. And I'm Kelly Corey. And together, we are Salt City Code. We'd like to take a minute to say thank you to our sponsor, Hack Upstate, for supporting Salt City Code. Hack Upstate's mission is to unite and facilitate collaboration among the greater upstate New York technology community. Twice a year, Hack Upstate organizes weekend hackathons. Developers and innovators from across central New York come to Syracuse to form teams, build projects, and win amazing prizes. It's all in 24 hours, and it's free to attend. Want to learn more? Visit hackupstate.com and get ready to code. So welcome to our first episode of 2020. Karen and I are sitting here with Mike. I'm so sorry. I should have asked you this. Demaria? Demaria. Demaria. Oh, that sounds so much. But I say it's Demaria because it's just too too pretentious to say the proper Italian way. So so Demaria works. (laughs) But you're also Italian. (laughs) I am Sicilian specifically. Oh, so am I. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So we are here with our very first guest, uh, Mike from the Trailblazers community. Would you like to tell us a little about yourself? Yeah, sure. So my name is Mike DiMaria. Uh, I am a Salesforce developer for AXA Equitable Life. I've been there since uh, 2015. Okay. Um, and I've been in the tech space professionally for about 20 years or so at this point. Um, starting off my, my professional career, you could say, in Syracuse. Um, coming out of Syracuse University as a computer science graduate. Oh. Um, working for Network Computing Magazine. Uh, we did product reviews of enterprise-level uh, software and hardware, okay. uh, and then transitioned over to uh, QA and then um, development. So how did you get into writing reviews? Uh, I kind of fell into it. Um, okay. So I was, you know, I was in, I was the editor-in-chief of my school newspaper. I nice. spent a couple of years there, had writing on the side, um, and then um, while studying at SU, mm-hmm. um, one of my professors was the editor of network computing, oh. um, and they needed a person in the lab, you know, to do lab stuff, reimage machines, hook stuff up, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one summer, the one of the guys was like, I don't have enough time to do this product review. I need someone to do it. Do you want to do this as a freelance thing? Nice. Okay. <laughs> um, and so cool. I started doing uh, product reviews. You know, I started, wrote my first article. Um, my editor liked that I didn't require a lot of editing. That's good. Which is always good. And yeah, so, yeah, that. So that got me more, more jobs. And I eventually did it enough that they were like, all right, we're going to bring him on. Awesome. <laughs> now, did you know that you always wanted to do computer science? Or did you kind of change like, gears along yeah, the way? Yeah, I mean, I, I figured I'd end up somewhere in some sort of science or engineering or computing role at some point in, in time. Um, or something with computers. Um not necessarily knowing I'd go into uh, programming and development stuff. You know, I, I, that wasn't necessarily my goal in, like, junior high. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be like, I want to be a computer programmer. Um, I could have been anything. <laughs> um, but I knew it would be something with computers. Um, it, it was enjoyable. You know, I, I had fun with it. Um, so it was kind of a natural fit for me. Nice. What's the first computer you owned? Uh, a Apple Macintosh Performer 460. Uh, 33 megahertz, 4 megabytes of RAM, 80 megabyte hard drive. 
Amazing. I upgraded to eight megabytes one Christmas, um, and that was tremendously wonderful. I could actually burn <laughs> CDs at that point. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Concept. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. So I, I've seen quite a bit, you know, yeah. <laughs> of, of the growth. I've, I've, I know of life just, you know, I'm, so I'm Gen X, right? <laughs> so I kind of know I've seen the growth of the home internet, you know, because we started on AOL. We oh, started yeah. with no web. Literally no web. The web wasn't invented in, in the 80s. Nope. <laughs> um, and saw that start to grow, saw BBS's decline, you know, and, and, and saw the big change. Yeah, getting Atari was like the big thing. <laughs> Atari 2600 kind of got me into computing. You know, I mean, you could kind of say that was kind of like my gateway when I was like, yeah. I don't know, six or seven it, years old. It's funny because, uh, you know, like my grandparents got one for us you know and that's where it was it was you know we because we lived upstairs from my grandparents so we'd go downstairs and we just you know we'd sit and play i would love to find one and you know have kids now and be like, so try this so this this christmas um i went to a flea market and bought an atari 2600 oh, oh nice yeah so yesterday i played et Ah. It's not the worst game on the Atari in the, of all time. Oh no! Everyone says it is. It's not. Nope, it's not even. The, it's not even the worst game on the Atari. No, it's not. <laughs> well, if you don't think that's the worst one, what would you consider oh, the worst game on the Atari? Um, Pac-Man's worse. Okay. Um, because that is, if you've never played Pac-Man on Atari, that's horrible. Oh my goodness, that's horrible. That? Um, not to say that's funny because. My kids bought, I don't know if it was probably for the PS4 or something, you know, one of the, oh, retro games one or whatever, you know? Ones, yeah. yeah, so I'm, I'm had this controller and I'm like, I don't know how to do this because <laughs> I just want to have just the stick and the button to, yeah, to the play Pac yeah. yeah, to play Pac Man. That's how I grew up doing it. So, you know, like they give me this big, you know, I had this big PS4 controller and I'm like, uh, how do I, you know, like, what am I using? What, you know, <laughs> it was. Yeah, it's not the same. And even playing some of those retro games on the modern LCD screens, mm -hmm. the, there's a small propagation delay, which which mm -hmm. offsets things. Uh, using the wireless controllers introduces some delay, and so it's not exactly the same experience. Close yeah. enough. Yeah. yeah. Close enough if you don't want to spend fifty bucks. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I'll take my place as resident millennial on the episode. So I kind of grew up with computers. They've always just kind of been part of my life. Um, I like hearing you guys talk about getting Atari 2600s because when I think of restoring video games from my youth, um, I've considered getting an N64. <laughs> like that's what I played as a kid. So it's just kind of funny how great console, yeah, little rough really... looking nowadays. A little rough. Really? Yeah, the, I mean, it's first gen generation 3D. Sure. I think Super Nintendo games look better than N64 okay. games. Um, Interesting. Yeah, go with a Super Nintendo. <laughs> go with those. Go with that retro Super Nintendo they came out with. If you would still get them. Nice. <laughs> Thanks for having video game chat. Sure. <laughs> Side podcast within a podcast. It's a tech podcast. What do you yeah, expect? No, it's right. going to yeah, come up at gonna, some point. Right. I think. Right. Well, probably, I think just about every one will touch on video games because we've all experienced it mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form. I think. It, yeah, I mean, not everyone in tech likes or does video games, but so many do. It's such a unifier. Mm -hmm. You know. So you mentioned that you work for AXA. Can you kind of tell us what you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a Salesforce developer. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm spending my time in code. Um, I spend a, a lot of my time figuring out what the businesses actually need um, and what they really want and what they're trying to do and what's painful for them. Um, if you just give them what they want, that might not be the best solution, and you're going to give a headache for everyone, and no one's going to be happy at all. Um, plus, the Salesforce platform offers a lot of no-code options, 
to do things. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things that can be done without having to actually do code. Um, they they offer mechanisms to do kind of obscure some of that stuff. Um, and there's advantages and disadvantages to going with the no code and the code solution. Um, so a lot of the time I'm building stuff and I'm a builder, but I'm not coding directly. Yeah, it's and and that's kind of a trend that's starting to come up. That more of these no code, low code options are starting to come out. Um, and it's also empowering people who aren't traditionally coders or sure. kind of getting into the coding side to be able to actually get them to build and do stuff uh, without having to know true behind the scenes coding and all that. Um, Sounds very different from your computer science degree. It kind of is. Now, so so the Syracuse computer science degree, at least when mm -hmm. I took it, and it's probably still the same way now, I'm, sure. I'm assuming. Um, very mathematical, very theoretical. Um, some of the classes I took in computer science did not even really require using a computer. Um, it's math and, and logic, you know, um, mm -hmm. which is good, you know, which, which I found to be pretty good. I'm, I, I like having that um, theoretical computer science background. I think it makes me a better developer um, and eventually be a better architect. Okay. Um, not to say that you have to have a computer science degree to be a good developer. You know, I don't want to go down that path and say, yeah, you, if you don't have this, you're, you're crap, you know. Right. Um, but it's helpful, you know, yeah. and, and people, I know people who haven't done the, the um, computer science background, you know, they, there are now a lot of options, there's free options. I know you, I know you guys are, are looking into that at intro. Right. Yep, yeah. You mentioned teach yourself computer science. Yeah, um, which is we perfect. Since we went through a boot camp, that's something I'm looking into. So I kind of agree with you. I would like more of that theoretical background. It definitely helps, especially because a lot of the boot camps are very, we're going to teach you something that you can use today. Mm -hmm. in, in, the, in the few years I've done programming, I have gone through probably six different languages. And, and I'm, not, I'm not even talking about over the course of 20 years. I mean, since mm -hmm. like 2009. Wow. <laughs> you know, I went from PHP to, to okay. C Sharp to, mm -hmm. to Java to Apex, which is the, you know, the, the Salesforce thing, to JavaScript and, and Ruby. And so, like, I got all these languages. And it's like changing every two years. I got a different language. Um, sure. But having that background, you know, having the background, having your experience, these mm -hmm. skills transition, you know, transition forward. Um, so it's not like if you know a language today and in two years from now, if you never use it again, it's not like you wasted two years of your life. You know, you're still right. going to pull the yeah. stuff forward, and, and a lot of things is about maintainability and good architecting and, and clean code. Uh, those are things that it doesn't matter what language you're doing. Um, you could take a programmer from 1974 and pull them into the modern day mm -hmm. and, you know, oh, I don't know, maybe uh, give them a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. and they could code just fine. I don't know if the same is true going back the other way. I don't know if someone today could program back and so because there was some really funky stuff back in the day, oh, yeah. uh, which is before my time. <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah. know. Oh, what is, what's the one that I? I can't think of it now. Um, all I can think of is they use it in Hidden Figures because they use the IBM oh. machine and oh, what, is, what uh, is the name? Of, I can't think of one. See. Whatever it was, it was ugly. <laughs> Yeah, um, it'll come no. to me later when I'm not thinking about it. Always does. Um, <laughs> Always how that works. But yeah, I agree with the logic. I took, I had a logic class, and I think that having logic classes helps. Oh yeah, I mean um, that's that's half of what I, you're doing. You I'm know? not a, I'm not big on like math. Sure. I could you know push that to the side, but if mm -hmm. if I need to do it, I will. I think I said I took like pre-calculus, or I might mm -hmm. have taken one calculus class, but math was not my. I, you know, like, 
the logic class, I thought for sure I wasn't going to pass that at all. And I'm like, oh, I, get, I got my grade. And it was like an A. And I'm like, oh, nice. Okay, I guess I do know what I'm doing. You know, that, that's probably more relevant to day-to-day programming than hardcore mathematics. You know, I'm not using calculus most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm using logic, though. Absolutely. <laughs> All the time. Well, even just, like, in everyday things, I don't I'm, I don't think, I guess, what you would consider, like, normal people. And my mother will say something, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't think of it that way. And she's like, what? And I'm like, I don't think of it that way. I'm like, I think of it like this. She goes, there's something wrong with you. And I'm like, no, I just don't think like everybody else. <laughs> she goes, well, that's obvious. <laughs> that's kind of why you became a programmer, right? I like, think so, Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to go from zero to full-stack web developer in 24 weeks? Karen and I did. We're graduates of the first cohort of Careers in Code, a coding boot camp also sponsored by Hack Upstate. Learn HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and more from awesome instructors and incredibly patient TAs. If you're ready to change your career, sign up for the second cohort waitlist at careersincode.org. You can also sign up for the Hack Up State Careers in Code monthly newsletter to receive updates, upcoming events, and job opportunities. That's careersincode.org. So do you like doing the Salesforce versus I do. Other? I do. It's, it's a fun ecosystem. Um, there's a lot of stuff you can do. Um, a lot of transferable skills, so you, you're not just doing, you're not just hammering into one path of things. You're not just learning JavaScript and not being able to do other stuff out there, um, especially with having to deal with with on the customer side of things and, and you know dealing with my users and finding out what they want. So there's a lot of a lot of other not programming skills that that really get sucked into into that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Uh, just being a Salesforce developer, um, the community is great. There are tons of people. There's wonderful people I've met all over the world, um, both online and in person. You know, every year we all get together in San Francisco. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, for, for the giant Dreamforce conference, which is huge. It's like 190,000 people. Wow. Oh. It's huge, but I get yeah, to meet, you know, and I'm meeting the people in charge of community conferences from, like, Japan, Sydney. Oh, that's so cool. The U.K., talking with them and being like, all right, well, what did you guys do at your conference? And maybe I could get some of that, you know, use some of that info for me. Um, yeah, and so it's like it really is an international community. Um, very supportive people, you know, very supportive, very helpful. You know, if we have questions on things, we could just put it out there and be like, anyone have a, a solution list? And people hop right on, on chats and hop on a Zoom conference and like, yeah, I'll work with you for an hour, you know, just 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 the hell of it. If somebody wanted to start looking into, you know, getting into Salesforce and everything, what are your best resources that you would... The absolute best bet, yeah, absolute best bet would be to go to Trailhead. So trailhead.salesforce.com. And what it is, it's really, it's kind of a hidden secret of of the best thing they've they've made. It's a fully online, completely free um, set of training materials where they have professionally written um, modules, projects, um, things to do, things to learn. So you can learn virtually everything about the platform. And, and what the and and what it offers and how to use it, um, how to do secure coding, how to do how to do unit testing, um, and the nice part is they give you a fully functional multiple fully functional Salesforce instances. So oh, nice. you have a full environment, a real and it's not a simulator; it's an actual real organization. You're limited awesome. to like 50 megs of data, whatever. <laughs> That's enough. 
Well, you could actually do stuff and you build stuff. And as part of their training modules there, they will say something like, um, create a JavaScript component to display all the contacts, right? It go, you do that. So you do your thing. Then it goes behind the scenes and it checks to see if you actually did that. And if it's actually display, you know, if you have a component on the screen, is it displaying all the stuff? Is it displaying everything? And it'll tell you, okay, it passed. You actually did it right. Or it'll say, no, you 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 didn't do it right. You know, you got to do something else. You got to do it again. So it's not just it's not just words. You know, it's actual hands-on automated testing, admittedly. You know, but auto, but still, it's hands-on training where you actually can verify that your work is being done correctly. Oh, that's cool. Um, I like that. I've yeah. used um, and I've used these things to build proof of concepts to bring into my organization. So I built um, a little chatbot, you know, because I was like, I, uh, there's a module on chatbots. I was like, hey, let me make that. And I was like, oh, this is kind of neat. So I built it in the in the training. I was like, this is really cool. Showed it to my boss. And my boss is like, we were just talking to our CIO about that. We're going to go in front of our CIO and, and, and you're going to show them this. And I was like, cool. So there we go. Just a simple little right. training thing. And yeah. I'm in front of my CIO over, and we're a pretty big company. You know, right. we have a couple thousand people in IT, <laughs> um, you know, and so it gave me the opportunity just to sit right in front of them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and show off some of the stuff. And it was just a little proof of concept thing that was completely free, which is really the big kick in the head nowadays is that you get access to all this stuff for free. Mm-hmm. You know, and before you couldn't do that. Yeah. You, you can even you can even get an operating system for free. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can even get compilers. I had when I was growing up, I had no way to code ever. Because there was nothing there for free. There was nothing right. available. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. especially on a Mac. <laughs> you know, you don't get any, you, in the classic Mac platform, you didn't get anything. <laughs> uh, and now you got a whole system <laughs> that you could play with, you could send emails to, you do all sorts of other stuff out of it. Yeah, I think that's something that's really interesting about the industry is the amount of accessibility that's kind of come along as tech has emerged, you know, like you mentioned, there's so many uh, products and services that are available for free now. There's lots of online training for, I want to say, essentially anything you're trying to learn in tech to at least get started, you can probably find a free resource. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, there's some limitations, obviously, you know, if you want to learn SAP, heaven forbid, (laughs) you might have some trouble doing that for free. We'd like to say best of luck to you. Good luck. (laughs) Have fun fun with that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's a reason I'm on this episode. But if you're looking to get into any a lot of the tech stuff, and if you're looking to get into to development or, mm-hmm. or building things, um, it, it's all there for free. You have access. Everyone has access. To, everyone has access to a compiler nowadays for free. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to host your own website, you're looking at maybe three or four bucks a month max. You okay. know, if you really want just the basics, just to have something on the web, there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you just want to have an audience to spew information to this place that, you know, and go on Twitter. <laughs> there oh, you go. It's there free. You go. There yeah. you go. You got a whole audience there. Well, so here's a question for you. So if you had someone who is new to tech and wants to become a designer or developer, you know, here's this podcast and says, okay, I'm interested in Salesforce. I'd like to learn that. Would you recommend learning anything previously or would you just jump into Salesforce? You could start on Salesforce. Okay, you um, could just start right there. Yeah, you could definitely start there. Um, and the declarative stuff, which is the no-code options, yeah. um, that's a great way to start building things in sure. Salesforce because you learn the ecosystem and you learn how you learn the quirks of Salesforce, but you don't have to necessarily know the coding side of things. Um, now, they've been getting better at doing intro to coding courses on Trailhead. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the greatest if you're coming in from scratch. Okay. Not the greatest. But it's getting there, and it's getting better. 
and, it, and it's getting better and better every every uh, as time goes by because Salesforce really wants to promote people coding on their platform and they want to promote coding because they <laughs> we don't have enough people. We have more work than we, we have more work than we have people. Okay. Um, you don't want to know how many, once I put Salesforce develop in my LinkedIn profile, I'm just getting hit with recruiters all the time, um, wow. which, which is awesome, but it also yeah. sucks because I have no desire to leave because I have these really awesome bosses right now and nothing, you know, you cannot lure me away with extra pay from my bosses. It's not worth it. But yeah, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the um, stuff involved in learning the no code side does pull forward into the coding side of things as well. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're doing code or not code, knowing how to put something on a page mm -hmm. and knowing where to put stuff and knowing what order to ask for information in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's important to know, no matter what you're building, because you, you could do the nicest code on the back end, but if your front end is crap, it, it, it could look nice. But even if it looks nice and it's still crap, it's still crap, you know, and no one's going to want to use it. Sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so anyone could really come in from any point in time. Okay. Um, and, and there's been a lot of people who've gone from nothing to big. Um, mm -hmm. One of the people on, on my community conferences, uh, he's a Salesforce MVP out of Buffalo. Okay. Uh, a couple of years ago, he was a baker. Really? He was wow. a baker. He, yes. That's quite the career change. Yeah. And so he went from baker to Salesforce MVP on Einstein Analytics. Awesome. Yeah. And, and so, like, you know. There's, and that's not a unique story in the Salesforce ecosystem. There are lots of people who go all over from, from all sorts of industries to, to other things. Um, there's a whole segment of Salesforce dedicated to uh, military vet veterans and getting oh, them into great. the... Yeah, I think they're called Milforce now, something like that. Um, okay. Yeah, I can't remember the name offhand exactly, but you know they have a whole support group you know, that, that, that promote getting veterans into the, in, into this ecosystem. Cool. That's great. Mm -hmm. I'm thrilled to hear it's such a community-based uh, platform. It is, and, the, and a lot of that credit has to go to Salesforce for promoting us. You know, okay. as a community, they they are very supportive. Um, some of it forms organically, but also mm -hmm. having their support um, is really beneficial for a company who's trying to build something like this. You know, you can kind of rely on your community, and you gotta you have to still maintain a certain level of independence. Mm -hmm. You know, if you try to be too heavy-handed on it, the community is not going to form. Yeah, you can't. You got to give up some control, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So like, I think that's a good. I and I that is a good, a valid point. Yeah. So like, Salesforce doesn't have like when I hold Salesforce meetups, mm -hmm. Salesforce Incorporated does not have editorial control over what I'm saying. Right. So okay. I can speak the ills of Salesforce, <laughs> um, and I could say these are the things that annoy me and 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 get me angry, um, and they kind of just take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, because they know if, if we didn't care and if we didn't love the platform, we probably wouldn't be talking about it at all. Sure. Or we wouldn't be using it still. We'd be telling people to go somewhere else. Absolutely. You know, we complain because we love. <laughs> but I think you need some of that too, though, in order you do. to grow. You need to be able to find out what your faults are in order to grow and you know to fix what those faults are or tweak them or do whatever to, in order sure. to make them so they're not a fault anymore in order to grow with everything and get more users. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it'd be worse if we weren't talking about it at all. Yeah, right. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think that'd be a really bad sign. Mm, absolutely. Not to talk about it. So if people want to show up and complain about Salesforce, where can they do that in Syracuse? So I host meetings every eh, every month or two. Okay. It really depends. In the winter, I, I, I go kind of into more of a shutdown mode just because we have the unpredictable weather. Oh, yeah. Uh, but then in the rest of the year, I like to do it every month. I'm, I'm thinking of maybe every six weeks, you know, coming up. I, have to, I, have, I haven't set up my, my 2020 agenda yet. 
Sure. Um, but as I said, generally we meet every month or two. Um, the the one place to go is you go to circusdevelopers.com. Um, okay. And that's kind of like my little hosted site for, you know, showing what we did in the past, what we talked about in the past, where we put our slides. Uh, the other place is trailblazercommunitygroups.com, okay. which has all the groups across all of um, um, the world. Oh, nice. Uh, because nice. there are groups in Rochester, Buffalo, Ithaca, uh, Albany, Westchester, all, you know, all over. Right. Um, and so I keep tabs on what Rochester, Ithaca, and Buffalo are doing because sometimes I'll show up to those events as well if they're talking about something really cool. Um, would you say that people who are new to Salesforce are welcome or is it more for oh, experienced absolutely. developers? No, absolutely. Anyone who's interested in uh, building on the platform. Um, cool. And it's called the developer, you know, the, the Circus Developers. And, I, you know, when I say it's the Salesforce Developers Group, mm-hmm. we're not limited to people who code. It's not restricted right. to that. You don't have to touch code. A lot of what we talk about is irrelevant to Salesforce administrators. Some okay. of the stuff is relevant to people who might just be end users. Um, or maybe want to start transitioning over to start building a little bit, you know, trying to get the hands a little dirty, maybe trying to transition <laughs> over. Um, mm-hmm. So we are definitely welcoming for all sorts of groups. There's no coding exam. We're actually probably, if anything, we're probably less hardcore about coding than okay. some of the other groups in the area, you know, and some of the other development, you know, tech groups. So, yeah, we are definitely welcome to anyone, anyone who's interested. Even if you don't use Salesforce and you just want to learn about it. Every meeting is free. Great. Every means free. You know, we don't charge for anything ever um, for these community. None of these community groups charge anything. Mm-hmm. Um, we're small enough. And a lot of times we'll supply swag and food and stickers and all sorts of fun stuff as well. Awesome. So, yeah. So, if so we, get we get, out and talk to some people about something you're interested in. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, you know, you come along, might order dino. You know. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. Yeah. You're talking me into this meetup. I love it. Oh, absolutely. Now, at, the, at these meetups, do you also, um, like, do you go for people that are there um, do you tell them like if companies are hiring or not hiring? I don't mind because usually we have we have a smaller group. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we're, we're still growing. You know, we're still relatively new. Um, but we, you know, if, if anyone had career advice or they wanted to to know where to go in things, they absolutely to come down. You know, and, and we'll say, you know, I'll tell them how I started, where I think they should go, what they should focus on, awesome. and they're free to to use that as they wish. Everyone's career is different, right? Yeah, and I know in in the Salesforce ecosystem we're very um, open to remote workers. Extremely, oh, that's cool. it's okay. an extremely open to remote workers, and part of it's just because you. I mean, part of it's because it was one of the first cloud computing companies out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of the first, maybe not the original one, but you know, pretty pretty sure. close. They, they started in like nineteen ninety nine, you know, so wow. so pretty close. Um, so the whole remote worker ecosystem has kind of mm-hmm. grown from that, and. Mm-hmm. One advantage of Syracuse is we have a lower cost of living than certain other areas, mm-hmm. right? Which means you can be paid really well in Syracuse, but being paid less than what you would make if you were in some big city where you actually have a lower cost of, you know. Oh, you, yeah. You'd have less. Like, you could double my salary, and I, you know, if I moved downstate and doubled my salary, I would mm-hmm. have I would have a smaller house and a, low, and, and a worse off-living condition than up here. Yeah, for <laughs> um, sure. Which plays to the advantage of the remote workers in that they the company saves a little bit of money, mm-hmm. um, but they're still employing someone, and someone's actually still making still making a good amount of money. Right. <laughs> you know, right. you're not yeah. getting paid fifteen thousand dollars to be a Salesforce administrator in Syracuse. It's nothing ridiculous like that. You get, you know you can actually be paid a relatively good salary. Yeah, you know, and at least things like at least nowadays, you know, coding coding and, and tech is starting to become a nice equalizer. You know, you could set up shop right. anywhere in the world. 
Right. I could move anywhere right now and do my job. So I would like to talk about Upstate Dreaming. Okay. Also, I was pretty excited about. Can you give us some background on that? Yeah, sure. So a couple of years ago, um, there's this guy named Eric Dreshfield. Uh, yeah. he, he's in the Midwest, and he said, I want to I want to have a conference. <laughs> I, 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 I want it to be a Salesforce conference, and I want to be in control of it. I want it for the community. Um, and so he kind of started the first event, called it Midwest Dreaming. Okay. And from there, a few years later, community conferences started to pop up all over the world. Awesome. Literally all over the world, and all and every hemisphere, every every continent has a has a conference going on. There's like thirty of them now. It's it's awesome. Wow! Oh, that's cool. These yeah. are and these are not for profit, independent, community driven conferences about Salesforce for the Salesforce community. But we are not. It is not put on by Salesforce. It's not under their control. It's literally a community conference. And so the the idea of it is that you spend one or two days getting a whole bunch of people, a lot from your local community and people from outside the community as well, to all get into a room and talk about Salesforce stuff and meet awesome. each other and talk about what works, what's not working, network with each other, um, learn from each other. Um, and because it's independent, you know, we're actually learning we're not subject to, well, this is what the direction Salesforce wants us to go. And, you know, it's, it's like we could talk about whatever, whatever our pain points really are. Okay. And we could actually meet people. You know, and so you know, part of the, the reason we're doing Upstate Dreaming is because these sorts of tech conferences never come to Upstate. They really don't. Yeah, they That's don't. That's absolutely true. It always hits, and matter. Salesforce will, will do their own. I mean, Salesforce has their own events. Sure. It's always in New York City. Yep. Every time. It's always in New York City or Boston. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the yeah. other nearest one. And it's never, they're never going to have one over, around here, ever. Right. Fine. You know, so be it. It makes sense. From their perspective, it makes sense. You go where all the people are. You know, sure. you go to New York. Of course, it makes sense. I mean, they're a $10 billion company you know, right, like, per, per quarter. You know, mm -hmm. um, so a lot of these community conferences are held in these, uh, you know, smaller, slightly out, kind of like retreat-like settings, you know, where it's a little bit out of the way, where it's not in the middle of a major expensive metro area um, to make it affordable. But it does allow um, people who normally couldn't get to a Salesforce event um, to actually have a, the ability to have one and be able to learn from other people. Um, you know, the conf co these conferences, they range from about 100 to 200 bucks for the conference pass. Mm -hmm. And the hotels are usually between 100 to 300 bucks, depending on what city you're in. Sure. Relatively affordable. More so than Dreamforce, because Dreamforce costs five to six thousand dollars to send someone to Dreamforce every oh my year. Gosh. Well, they charge the hotels there charge between four to six hundred bucks a night. Yeah, see that's plus just, that's outrageous. Plus the conference yeah. pass alone is two thousand dollars for an early bird pass. Oh my gosh! Lord. Yeah, so you're looking at literally to send someone out there. You're looking at spent. You know, just one person is like five, six, seven thousand dollars. You're looking at, um, and for these community events. Maybe five hundred bucks a person. You could send your entire team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, these conferences are so good, and I, I enjoy them so much that I am willing to spend my own money to go to them. You know, even if my company does not have the travel budget for it, I will drive out to Manchester to go to Northeast Streaming for two days. Awesome. Because it's it's that valuable. Okay. And the other side effect of all this is it it not only do we get people from our area, mm -hmm. we get people from outside coming in as well. So people will be flying in from California, from, from the Midwest, sure. um, 
from England, <laughs> you oh, know, you know, or from India, from from Australia. All the people mm-hmm. come come to these events from all over, and so they'll be able to also see that the the upstate community that we have a tech community, yeah, that we have awesome people here, and be able to see all the the really cool natural features that that the upstate region has. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool that they come from that far away. Oh yeah, absolutely. you know, and it it almost makes me wonder if they look at it as another opportunity of. Okay, I'm going to go to this conference, but I'm also going to take a couple extra days and just kind of check out the area and, sure. and see what else is going on. I'm and, you hoping know, so, maybe too. Maybe do some travel. I'm hoping so, too. Which so. is good for upstate. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's part of what, as part of my promotion to other people, you know, outside mm-hmm. this region, is I'm saying this is, uh, we're doing it just at the end of summer, a little bit before Labor Day. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to be, we're going to say, hey, you know, you're going to come to this event. Um, mm-hmm. You're also going to be able to go to the state fair. Because we're going to give oh. you, we're giving them a ticket to the state fair. Awesome! You're going to see a cool concert because there's going to be a concert during during this show at the state fair, <laughs> which is why it's in Syracuse. <laughs> um, but then you could say, you know what? Why don't you spend a few extra days? Go check out Niagara Falls. It's only a few hours that way. Go check out yeah. the Hall of Fame. Go to our house caverns. Go yeah, on a wine. Go on a wine tour. Go to the farm, the Circus Farmers Market. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone knows the Syrac- Everyone knows of upstate yeah. New York. The What's Farmers the- Market is, I don't know, four or five like buildings and then there's in between the buildings they're like what and you're like yeah that's there's a lot yeah i went to a farmer's market that was like eight tables and six of them were selling crap mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and and here you got how many tables at a farmer's market you know it's huge and you know some of them have the same stuff but some of them don't you know mm-hmm. it's you come across and you're like oh that's really interesting and it changes constantly oh absolutely yeah. And yeah. it's a good time of year, too, because I, that's right at the start of the harvest time when they actually start yeah. getting real good food yes. mm-hmm. at the market. You know, and everyone knows, everyone thinks upstate New York, they think, well, they think of, they think of uh, SU basketball, yep. the Bills, and snow. Yeah. That's what they think of. And so I'm you hoping, yeah, I know. So I'm hoping that when we bring all these people in, that they're going to look at upstate New York and they're going to see them and be like, oh, this is why you live here. There's no traffic. No traffic. <laughs> you get yeah, food and, and it's cheap. Yeah, and there's but there's a there's just a, there's a ton it's of things stuff. that you can do. I mean, you go to yeah. the, just going to the Adirondacks, even you know, yeah. like it's not that far. You, that. you know, you can get there in a couple hours. Boom, you're mm-hmm. right there. You know, depending on where in the Adirondacks you want to be, and there's other you know there's things to do up there. Part of because it's a community conference and we get people from outside, it means that people in upstate are going to be able to talk to people who don't live here mm-hmm. and know what they're going through and what they're struggles are and what what they're dealing with and in, in, in their particular part of the country and so that we get a lot of outside opinions you know and yeah. so we get a lot of influ- so not only do we influence saying this is what we're seeing we could mm-hmm. also hear hey this is what's going on over there and for a lot of that it might actually even be the same thing which is really neat to be yeah. able to see they have that commonality saying yeah we're going yeah. through the same thing you guys are going through <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but it is nice to have a lot of outside opinion it's what i like about having community groups you get to sure. you you get too insulated in your own company and your own ways of doing things that you don't know mm-hmm. what else is also actually possible or what other issues people are facing so now where would you send somebody to look at um, if they wanted to come to upstate dreaming this year i would say just go to upstatedreaming.com uh, no g Upstate Dreaming, or no G, I don't know why. Uh, Eric, Eric, a bunch of years ago, said, I'm going to leave off the dream G and put on an apostrophe. Okay, <laughs> whatever. UpstateDreaming.com, and we have a Twitter feed, Upstate Dreaming, as well, um, where we will have more info as we go. Uh, in a couple of months, we'll open the call for presentations, which is open to anyone in the community. If you're not in the Salesforce ecosystem and you have something you think would be really beneficial for Salesforce people to know, maybe you're really good at JavaScript. Maybe you're good at architecting. Maybe you did something on test-driven development. Submit a proposal. 
it's free. It's free to submit them. You know, it's just right. to submit and see what happens. And if yeah. you've never done public speaking, these are these are great conferences to get your start on. You know, there's a lot of people where these dreaming events are where they do their first presentation. Awesome. You know, in front of a crowd. And you're talking about a crowd of like 40, 50 people. Yeah. Uh, some of these people have gone on to be on the stage of Dreamforce in front of thousands of people. That's so cool. You know, and so it's it's a great, a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Um and I say it's all community content, so we need we need people's uh, info. We need their information. We need to know what they are going through and their pain points. Um, it doesn't have to be insightful or anything. Just whatever whatever you think of, and and same logic applies to all these uh, local community groups. I'm sure OpenHack and and Circus, you know, the other Circus developer groups, they probably are very open to hearing whatever struggles you've gone through, yeah, or whatever you're working on today. Just go and submit it. Go go see if they want it. They're not going to come to you. You have to go to them. Right. But like Syracuse JavaScript is definitely looking for people to come talk at that meetup too. So. Yeah. And it could even be something as simple as saying, hey, I made something cool. Do you want to see it? Yeah. It really you know? is that easy. And just show what it is. Mm-hmm. Show what you did. Or if you, let's say you, you went through something painful, right? You did something and you're like, wow, this, this really sucked. Um, I don't want to ever do this again. I want uh-huh. no one to go through that again. Right. Tell people the things you wish you knew before that's the please, be- easiest way please do that yeah people want to hear that they will come listen to you talk about it there, there's big value in failure <laughs> yeah yeah i think so so i like that our big takeaway here is really get involved in the community oh yeah the syracuse community we, we have want to hear what you have to say yeah i mean and it's hard it's sometimes hard to know that we have one but we actually mm-hmm. do have one and we have a fair number of people in it yeah you know and we're definitely growing we definitely are yeah. you know everyone's open Sometimes I think, too, that when people think, you know, the Syracuse community, that they only think of just the city of Syracuse. Mm-hmm. But it's not just, it, you know, it's not just within the city. It's even like the outlying areas. And yeah, that Liberty is a good Pool point. And Clay and, you know, even like where, for me, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm not even in Onondaga County. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I come down here because there really isn't anything up there. But it doesn't mean mm-hmm. that there couldn't be you know, starting to move some of it up that way and get more people involved. Yeah, and, and don't be afraid to look at other cities, you know, from Albany to Rochester to Buffalo, to Ithaca, to Watertown. Yeah. yeah. There, there are people in all these communities, and they're willing, to, they're willing to talk to you. And if you're willing to drive an hour out to Rochester to talk to those guys, cool. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they'll be happy to hear from you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being sure, on the podcast. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, I think it was good. Um, where can our listeners follow along <clears throat> with your coding adventures? Um... Yeah, easiest place my Twitter feed. Okay. You know, D Maria Mike. Awesome. It's probably the, the easiest place to keep track of, of my my general going ons. Um, <laughs> and um, you know, upstatedreaming dot com is and and the Upstate Dreaming Twitter feed is great for following up. You know, Upstate Dreaming. Um, we have a mailing list we we created as well okay. that we're going to start eventually. Young <laughs> stuff. <laughs> okay. If you would like to follow me on my personal learning curve journey. My website is kethorn.com, Instagram, Karen Thorne, Twitter, kthorne, and email, contact at kethorn.com. Also, be on the lookout for JS Web Development, LLC, as I'm starting my own business. Twitter and Instagram are JS Web Dev. I'm working on a website that should be up soon, and that's jswebdevelopment.com. And you can always email me at jswebdevelopment at gmail.com. If you'd like to keep up with Kelly, you can visit my personal website, kel.dev. You can follow me on Twitter at keldeveloped, 
or you can follow me on Instagram at Kelly2Earth. Together, we are Salt City Code. You can follow along with the podcast at Salt City Code on Instagram and Twitter. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach out to us at saltcitycode at gmail.com. And remember, always keep keep it salty. salty.